Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, where we walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Our host is Dr. Jeannie Burnett, licensed clinical psychologist and certified eating disorder therapist. Join her and her host, Carlos Houston, as they discuss the relationship between your food, your faith, and your feelings. Welcome back to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings. We are walking with you on your journey to wholeness. And I am so excited today. Uh, We have two special guests. We have Mr. John Troutwine of Will to Live. Hey, John. Good morning. How are you? I am good. And we also have Allie English again, the board president and boss of Jeannie. So we are so excited to um, have you both and continue this conversation that we started uh, the last couple weeks on 13 Reasons Why and teen suicide. Uh, One of the things that um, I I just through my my gym, I met your wife, Susie, who is uh, one of the instructors, and I found out more about Will to Live And John, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about um, the Will to Live Foundation and how it got started and why. Okay, great. So, so yeah, so the Will to Live Foundation is a a nonprofit 501c3 organization that's based here in the Atlanta area. And uh, my wife, Susie, and I formed it back in October of 2010. Um, along with a bunch of high school students after the suicide death of our oldest child, our son, Will Troutwine. He took his life on uh, October 15th in 2010. And as you can imagine, not only we were absolutely devastated by it, but we were also completely stunned by the manner in which he died. We thought he was perfect. We thought he was very happy. He was very successful. He was very big. He was very strong. He was very handsome. He was extremely popular. He had an army of friends and he was the leader of them and he was the consultant of his friends. And he was an excellent student. He was a very accomplished musician. He played the guitar and the drums. He was in a band. He wrote songs. He was a lead singer. Um, Just a young man who seemingly had it all. And uh, just to give you an idea of how stunned we were, you know, when when we found him lifeless in his room that, you know, that early October morning, we were so shocked by it that we thought someone had come into our house and murdered him. Wow. That's how clueless we were to any struggles that our son Will may have had. And what we immediately learned, and I'm talking immediately, I'm talking that very day that suicide amongst teenagers is an epidemic. It's rampant. And this is back in 2010, by the way. And depression and mental illness among teenagers is also extremely common. One in six adolescents suffer from depression or some other form of diagnosable um, mental illness, mental disorder. I had no idea. Uh, depression, to me, 
was something that was a word that was never said in our house. If someone would have told me that my son suffered from any form of depression or anxiety or anything like that, I would have been offended. I would have been very upset. I would have probably gotten very angry. My son's fine. My son's great. Where the trout wines were great, you know, get away from me kind of thing. Right. Um, because I was uneducated and I was unaware. And as I quickly learned, literally in, in the days after his passing, that um, depression is very real. It is very maskable in many cases. I've come to learn that Will had uh, most likely suffered from a, a functional depression, which means you are completely able to function in all aspects of your life and you're able to hide uh, the fact that you have uh, that you are suffering in any way, shape or form. And Will was excellent at that. So me not knowing that back then, I would have said depression was a character flaw. Depression was a choice mm. uh, because I didn't know about it. And um, as I quickly learned, and I, when I met with the experts and I met with the counselors and they told me that, no, no, your son did not take his life because his girlfriend broke up with him. He did not take his life to put revenge on somebody. He, he, he took his life because he had a mental illness and the mental illness is what killed him. He did not choose to complete suicide. He did not choose to have depression. He did not choose to be sad or unhappy or whatever it is that he was. He had a mental illness. And that is what caused his death. So it's, it's, I was totally shocked by it. And as a result, the, the result of the fact that not only that was I learning all this, but I was also meeting so many people, people who I'd known for a long time, Jeannie, that, that had uh, suicide in their lives or depression in their lives, and they never, ever talked about it. And I remember saying even that weekend, your, your brother tried to take his life and you never talk about it. You never told me I've known you for 10 years. Oh, no, we don't talk about that. My, my family won't allow me to talk about it. And I remember saying, well, if your brother would have died of cancer, or if your brother would have been in a car crash, if your brother would have had diabetes, and, and for some reason it, it, it cost him his life, would you talk about it? And they said, of course. And so at that point, I knew I had to do something. And this is sort of a very long answer to your question, but at that point, I knew I was going to create some uh, way of educating other people, just like me, who think their kids are perfect and think their kids are fine and think depression is something and suicide is something that only happens on the other side of the street or other side of the tracks or everyone phrase it. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to try to do something to, to, you know, to educate other people, including myself. Right. Well, I think that one of the things that you just touched on, which is the shame that is associated with suicide and I, I remember as a young therapist, I would get angry with my friends that I've had several friends that have committed suicide, males typically, um, and I would get mad at them. And then, you know, it was, uh, there was a, uh, I turned the corner, I'd say, when Robin Williams committed suicide. It blew me away, no pun intended, and I just yeah. was... I was grief stricken because this is somebody I'd watched, didn't obviously know, I didn't know him personally, but it was like how, wow, he must have been in a lot of pain. And so it really shifted my mindset. Um, so can you just, I mean, number one, do you, were you like, now that you look back on it, I mean, obviously you said you've learned a lot. Could you see any factors that maybe you overlooked that parents can look for and their children if they're depressed and or suicidal? Well, this is 
this is perhaps the more alarming part of all of this is the honest answer is no. Um, With my son, no. Now he had this functional depression. So when you talk about the typical signs um, that students who are depressed or or people who are depressed or people who who take their lives, you know, when they're acting differently, when they're more reserved, when they're more to themselves, when they stop doing things that they love to do, um, when they they don't sleep very well, they uh, they're more irritable. They you know all of these things, and that they're just not themselves. That's very common. Will didn't have any of that, and that's what made it so difficult for us. Although having said that, um, the one thing I did I do remember, and both Susie, my wife, and I talk about is the one thing he did have a little bit is that he was having some trouble sleeping. Um, we didn't think it was anything dramatic, but I, you know, in the days and weeks leading up to his death, there were a couple times where he said, "I didn't sleep very well last night." You know, he said, "Well, you know, put your phone, put your phone down a little bit earlier, stop looking at screens. It keeps you awake." And you know, if you want, maybe give you melatonin or something. But we just kind of didn't think it through. Mm-hmm. I later learned that that sleep is a absolute necessity for mental health. And um, when a young boy or a young, when a person is up at one in the morning and two in the morning, it's a long time before sunrise. And they call those the devil's hours. And, and, you know, kids suffering and people suffering from depression, if they're not sleeping, it's a terrible place to be wide awake at one or two in the morning. At five in the morning, the sun's going to come up in the next hour. And there's hope is right around the corner. At one in the morning, it's not. And I thought that was a very interesting um, bit of information that I learned after after Will passed. But, you know, those those characteristics that I just said are very common in in kids that or in people who are um, who are depressed or perhaps considering suicide but at the same time what really baffled me and devastated me was that you know depression is also maskable and um, there are kids like will who who uh, can hide it and the reason they hide it is is simply because of the stigma this you know the not, not afraid to admit that they are suffering and not afraid that they are, uh, admit that uh, they may have a mental illness because once you say that word mental in front of illness, now it's a whole new ball game in today's society, especially if, if you're talking about school age kids. Right. Well, last week when we were talking uh, about the 13 reasons why um, we actually talked a little bit about uh, how it's a medical disorder. Mental illness is medical. It is biologically wired in our brain. It is about neurotransmitters. And it is a, it, it, it can also be changed through thought patterns, but it's not the only thing. It's not about willing yourself. You know, it's about understanding that, you know, hey, I feel better on this medication, yet I have so much shame that I think I'm going to go off the medication. And so people lots of times bounce around on their medication yeah. and it really it can destroy their life. Oh, yeah. And it's it's um, it's so, you know, it's so different. I often talk to people as a as an ex-baseball player and I played professionally and, you know, played for a long time. And if I had an injury, um, I had you know, I would go to, I would have medication and I would have therapy. Right. And it's the same with a mental illness is there's the medication part of it. And there's also the therapy, you know, the counseling and the, and the ability to talk about it. And I think that's what's, um, 
often so missed. And when I, when I do give my speeches, especially when I speak to kids, and that's really the, the main function of our Will to Live Foundation was, you know, I want these kids to overcome the stigma or rise above the stigma so they can talk and they can confide in each other or confide in, actually confide in anyone that I'm struggling so that they can get help. Will didn't do that. Right. So the foundation was formed to obviously educate parents like me, but even more importantly, to try to show kids that, you know, they have they have friends in each other. You know, who's the easiest person in the world for you to talk to? It's usually your friend. And we termed them your, you know, your life teammates and the greatest friends I mm. ever had. I met when I was a, a teenager. I, they were groomsmen in my wedding. They're godfathers to my kids, all of these guys. And that's really how the foundation started to get these kids to, to talk to each other. And, you know, in that, in that, uh, in that show, she really doesn't, she really doesn't talk until after she's gone and or sorry she really doesn't talk until she talks into those tapes right and then yeah. after she's gone they hear her re- reaching for help and that's what's so um that's what's just so it, it was so just blatantly evident to me oh if she just would have said that while she was alive maybe things would be a little bit different and 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 that's what made that so interesting to me when i was watching it It was a very difficult watch for me but at the same time it did illustrate just how difficult it is for kids today in their lives and in in these crazy times but how awful also how difficult it is for them to even talk to each other and because they're afraid of that stigma yeah one of the things that we actually do through the mana fund is i have um, a website that's being redeveloped right now and it's called talk it out use your voice not your body and we you know we focus on eating disorders but we're also going to be um branching it off once we've got it down and we can kind of duplicate and triplicate we're going to talk about um sexual like how people act out sexually and alcohol and drugs and suicide and so we're going to expand the whole thing and there's a a user-friendly part inside of it and then there's um, a lot of links inside to help people get to the right place hey john thank you so much we got to take a quick break and thank you again to our sponsors we'll be right back are you looking to buy sell or invest in a home call my friend of 10 years francina maloney she can help you with all of your real estate needs her goal is to have you as a client for life she will listen to you and find exactly what you are looking for and as always 10 percent of her gross commission goes to the mana fund thank you so much francina You can call Francina at 770-861-3821. That's 770-861-3821. Hard exercise works. They believe in really hard exercise, in the relentless pursuit of excellence. Results are earned, not given. Group training can be personal and fun. I personally love hard exercise works. It has helped me to get back into shape. I don't focus on my food. I focus on the workout and I feel stronger and I feel healthier and happier. And that's what it's about. Hard exercise works in John's Creek. Welcome back to another edition of Food, Faith and Feelings. We are walking with you on your journey to wholeness. You know, you and I had a conversation briefly last night and you said something so profound to me. Um, about this 13 reasons why and I wanted you to I want you to say it on air so ha, like I, there's a lot of hype about 13 reasons why and is it good for people is it not good for people and 
Allie and I went and we, you know, we talked last week and I said, you know, parents have got to see this. They have got to see this and they've got to sit down with their children and have conversations with with them. And so I wanted you to tell us again what your thoughts are about the show. Yeah, of course. And and um, as you can imagine, when that show came out, um, I started noticing the, the chatter on social media and in the papers and in the news and things like that. And I had not watched it. And I really, you know, for kind of personal reasons, I, I wasn't sure I wanted to watch it just mm. because it was about a teen suicide. And I, as you can imagine, it brings back memories and things. So I was really hesitant to do it. But I started to get so many requests about my, you know, asking me to weigh in on this because of my sort of extensive work with kids kids over the past six years as the leader of the Will to Live Foundation, which is a very, you know, positive uh, way of getting kids to talk about it. So as I watched it, um, two things really, really jumped out at me is one is that, uh, you know, the show was, was gripping and it mm. really highlighted just how hard it is to be a teenager these days. Um, and I remember, you know, when, when my son was alive, I never once, never once did I ever say to Will, wow, this is hard, isn't it? Mm. I was always positive. I was always telling him, isn't this great, Will? This is so awesome. I didn't have this when I was your age. Isn't this great? Look at these fields. Look at these opportunities. Look at these schools. Look at these things. You know, I was always Mr. Positive. I was there. I was a hands-on, loving dad telling him just how great it was. And deep down, he was looking at me like, dad has absolutely no idea how not great it is, in, in my opinion. And this show really does um, explain that. So it, it, it talks to parents. Uh, you know, I, I wish, Jeannie, that I saw this show seven years ago. I am convinced that my son would be alive for two reasons. One, I would have seen how difficult it was, and I, may, I would have asked him. And two, I would have gotten emails from his school. Mm. talk to your kid about suicide and I would have heard radio shows like this and I would have become a little bit more educated as a father that depression is one in six and it's okay it's treatable it's curable it's common and it's okay but you have to talk about it and maybe I wouldn't have been offended if someone would have said Will has depression right maybe I would have been more educated and said oh gosh he actually might you know because it's so common and so normal and it's so okay you've and got so Allie so, in tears over here <laughs> and it, it just hit me so hard in watching that show and and I, and so the good news of that show is that it exposed that. And then the other good news about the show is that yeah, schools are talking about it. Schools are actually telling parents to talk to their kids about suicide. For six and a half years, I've been speaking at high schools all over the country. I have never once spoken to a middle school. Not one middle school has asked me. And when I've asked to speak to them, I get this yeah no because. <laughs> right. They're our scared. Parents, our parents won't want this. You're going to put the idea of suicide in their heads. And I'm like, that's a myth. That's a fallacy. It's already in their heads. Right. And and we need to talk about it. And so all of a sudden the show comes out and I get an email from my daughter's middle school. I get an email from my son's high school. Yeah. And then people from all over the country are sending me forwarding emails from their schools. And the world is now talking about teen suicide. And Praise how difficult God. It is. And they're telling parents to talk to their kids. For the first time in the six and a half years I've been running this foundation, it's happening. And that is a fabulous thing. That is a great thing. Now, Wonderful. it's also a very important thing because that show 
scares me. Right. And that's what's so important about it. It scares me. It gives the impression that help is not available and it's, a, it's, it's futile to even try to ask for help. Mm. And that's really not true. It's gripping drama and it's very well done and very well acted. But as I watched it, I'm like, oh gosh, these kids, these young kids are looking at this and they're saying, yeah, it's asking somebody for help. All they're going to do is look the other way. They're not going to come after me. They're not going to, they're going to think I'm crazy and blah, blah, blah. And it's really not true. Hey, John. And so, Yes, <laughs> you're on a roll. But yeah. I, I want to definitely we've got about four and a half minutes left in the show. And so what I want you to do is just educate um, parents, especially I want you to talk to these parents and tell them what they need to do, what they what you would have done. Like, what can they do to help navigate whether their child is depressed or suicidal? Well, they have a great opportunity to begin the conversation now because of this show, right? So I often tell parents, please tell your kids you met me. I met I met John Troutwine. He lost his son to suicide. Um, he had no idea that his son was struggling in any way and depression. He had depression in one in six. And do you know that one in six of your friends suffer from depression, Jimmy? Do you know that? Do you, do you have any feeling for that? Do you know if any of your friends are are feeling bad or sad? How about, how about you? Do you ever feel that way? This is, I, I don't know anything about this. I'm just learning these statistics. This is, what do you think? Just by saying that as a parent, you're showing your kid that you, you, I say a trusted adult knows and shows. He knows that it's hard for a kid these days and he shows that he knows it as opposed to being John Troutwine seven years ago. Well, isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? Gosh, I wish I was you. Mm. And so just the ability to talk about it, you don't have to have the answer. You don't have to have the solution. You just need to show your kid that you understand. Wow, this is really hard. It's so much harder to get in college today than it was when I was your age. When I made a mistake, it wasn't on YouTube or the internet or Facebook or, or social media. Right. I didn't have these pressures that you have. This is really hard. I want you to know that I know it's hard. We still have to do it. Right. But let's do it together. And I, and I wish I would have done that with Will. Yeah. I think one of the things that as you've been talking um, in our conversation and then today is it seems like you talked kind of at Will versus with him and there's one of the things I said in the last couple of weeks is when when you're a parent ask a question and then shut up like wait for the answer before you continue to talk yeah, yeah. so yeah, exactly and let them start the conversation because I was so convincing and how great it was and I was my strong personality was so positive that he he was scared to talk to me oh. you know because he knew that I would just oh come on no no look at this I would sell I'm a salesman uh, and and that's where you know I, I learned, and that was Will's gift to me. I've learned, and the way I mm. talk to my other kids is completely different now. I bet your relationship and the conversations are a lot uh, open, more open and healthy. Yeah, yeah. I'm no longer, I'm no longer trying to sell them on how great it is. Wow, that's great. I think as a parent too, that show did it did that for me. Watching it, I sort of left the show terrified. But it did change. I, I stay engaged with my kids, but it changed the dynamic of the conversation. I dug a little deeper or and really just seeing, understanding how painful it is, remembering how painful yeah. those years can be and expressing that and understanding of it. Really, it does make a difference. Yeah, no, it does. And I think just being there, you know, knowing one of the problems with the show is that because it's on Netflix, you can watch it on your cell phone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, younger kids are watching it. And, you know, that's heavy stuff. You know, and, and when they imply that, you know, you can get back at the people who wronged you by doing something like this is, you know, it's, it's a very dangerous, you know, dangerous path to take. And, and the parents just need to be aware, you know, make sure the kid understands that, okay, in the show, she didn't, 
you know, she didn't really ask for help, and here's how you would ask for help. And that's what scares me a bit is that it's just so accessible to anybody. And, he's, and he, you know, I'm not worried about a 19-year-old as much as I'm worried about a 12-year-old. I have a 12-year-old daughter. And, you know, that's something that, you know, scared me a little bit. Is she, is she up in her room or she's sitting on the couch with her headphones on looking at her phone? And I think she's watching, a, you know, playing a game and she's watching this show about, about teen suicide and, and that the only way out is to take your life. Right. And that's what well, me. I tell you what, we are going to have to um, stop. Uh, unfortunately, you've got so much good information, but we're looking forward to next week. We're going to be hearing um, from your wife and talking more about signs and what to do and how to help your children. But um, at the end of every one of our shows, I do a verse of the week. And I really want to kind of tailor this to um, the the whole cyberbullying issue that we have and, and the, you know, in-school bullying. And so the verse is from Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so I think that just extending that forgiveness um, towards the self and towards others can be really, really healing. So, John, thank you so, so much for coming. Um, and we we will, uh, you and I talked about doing some, some activities together, so we will reach out and uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. All right, Jane, thanks. Bye-bye.